Thank you, team. Thank you, worship band. Amazing time of worship. Man, singing that out, going back to an oldie but goodie. Come on, I'm desperate for you. I was like ready to be a youth kid at the altar again. I was like ready to, for the altar call. I'm like, where do I go? Where do I go cry? I just want to go cry. And uh, it was amazing. Um, but I, 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 if I have not had the chance to meet you, my name is Pastor Sam Grosso. My wife Renee and I have the honor of being the lead pastors here at Artisan Church. And uh, when we're coming up on an exciting season as a church. And I know some of you right now, you're watching online from the beach or you're spring breaking in Hawaii or someplace amazing. Uh, but come on, the weather's turning here too. How many of you know that? Like the weather is turning. Renee and I, we've been watching the 10-day forecast. Every single day, one gets added. She's like, did you see? It's going to be 52 in 10 days. And we're like so excited about any 50-degree days coming up. But spring is coming, and uh, we do. We just have a lot of exciting things as a church. Artisan Turns 1 is going to be a special Sunday, and we're actually throwing a huge family social after with inflatables and birthday cake and the whole thing. But I just want to let you know, Artisan Turns One is an amazing outreach Sunday. That'd be a great time to, if there's somebody you've been thinking about inviting to church, that's a great day to do it. It's going to be a, a great time for first-time guests to show up. And a few weeks after that, we're going to have Easter services, and uh, we're going to have to go to two services on Easter to make room for people. There's going to be two services that Sunday, two opportunities on Easter Sunday. We'll do a massive Easter egg hunt after service on the lawn because it's going to be dry in Jesus' name. Everything's going to be melted and dried up. And then in May, we have Mayfest. There's a uh, women's event coming up and Mother's Day. We're going to have a guest. I mean, there's so much exciting stuff going on in our church this spring that I'm, I'm really, really excited for. So I just encourage you to engage, to show up, to be a part, and to help spread the word on all of it. And you have no idea how far it goes when somebody takes the time and they post something to social media and say, hey, I'm excited for this or I'm looking forward to this, how far that goes and the effect it has um, so we, though, are in a series, and we're in week two of a series entitled Peace with All People, and we introduced it last week, and I did sort of a flyover of this idea that was laid out in the book of Romans that as far as it depends on us, according to Scripture, we are to work to be at peace with all people. And it's one of those verses that when you read, you're like, impossible. Like, impossible. People are complicated, Pastor Sam. Uh, people are difficult. Um, I don't necessarily like everybody. But I will say one thing that gives me encouragement, just so you know, I failed to say this last week. I, I do appreciate that it doesn't say you have to like everyone and then be at peace with all people. Uh, the Bible does make it clear, though, we have to love everyone and work to be at peace with all people. How many of you know you can love somebody you don't like, right? Anybody who's been married knows what it's like to choose to love somebody, even on days when you don't like them, right? You've, you've had some days where you're like, I love you, but I don't know that I like you in this moment, right? The liking can come and go, but love, love's a choice, not a feeling. It, it's a decision that I make. And so I, I choose to love in spite of maybe some disagreements, in spite of maybe some disliking of how some people are or operate. And, and so working to be at peace with all people, this is not an easy thing. And, um, and if it was possible to, like, become perfect in it and you were just flawless, I'd have you come up and preach the message. But it is difficult, right? We have to put effort into this. But I actually believe that this series is vital for our church, 
because I would love our church to be the type of community that's known for not like animosity or, or anger or division or arguing or critical thinking like, or crit- critical spirits and our, or, or criticism all the time or this toxic sort of environment. But a church where you go, man, if you go there, the people, they're peaceful. They're loving. They're caring. They'll talk to you. They actually care about what you have to say. They're going to listen. And, and, and it's amazing how much impact we could have if as a community we took this seriously. And say, you know what? I can't control them, but I can control me. And so as far as it depends on me, I'm going to work hard. I don't have to be best friends with them, but I have to be at peace with them. I have to find a way in my spirit to become at peace. And i got to work hard to be at peace as, as far as it depends on me. So, so we kind of do this flyover of this idea. And today I want to go down, I want to drill down into a specific lane of one of the areas that I think has the most effect on whether or not we have peace with people. I think that this is something that we all do, uh, and it has the, the largest effect on this category. And the thing I want to talk about today is our words. I want to talk about the things that we speak, but not as a broad topic. I want to literally talk about our words that we speak with one another, relational words that we say. How many of you know of a relationship you can think of that broke down once they said fill in the blank? You can like think of a person right away. You're like, yeah, I used to be friends with them, but then they said fill in the blank, and that changed everything. And then they said, words have this extreme power in our life. And that's something I don't even need to argue with any of us on. We understand the power of words. It's a, one of the, it's a significant topic throughout the whole canon of Scripture, the words that we choose to use. Currently, there are 171,146 English words in our dictionary. 171,146 words that you can choose how to utilize, that you can choose how to share, that you can choose to use as you form sentences and have conversations. And there's actually 47,000, I guess, that are now obsolete, that are now obsolete. Like we just, they're gone. Like they've just disappeared. We don't use them anymore. 47,000 words that are obsolete. How many of you guys know languages are always growing and morphing and changing. And they're actually, the dictionary is not final. It's constantly being updated because people are finding different ways to communicate. Words are always growing. But when I heard about 47,000 obsolete words, I'm like, there's got to be some good ones in there. Like, there's got to be some awesome words in there. So I actually, I looked up some obsolete words that I'm like, I, we should bring these back. These words would be great in 2022. And, um, and, and they're, they're fun ones. The first one that I, that I really liked is actually, so this, it, the definition means the action of shaking to and fro, a.k.a. dancing. So this is a dancing term. And I'm like, this is just, TikTok is ready for this word. And it's called quag swagging. Quag swagging. And it actually has swagging in it. Come on. Quag swag. And then it can be shortened, and it can actually be shortened and be used as just quag swag. So it can be used as a verb. Come on. Who's going to come up with the quag swag? Someone's got to make that dance. It's just ready to go viral. It's got a name and everything. It's not me. Because, like, when I try to do the viral dances, it's just really, really bad. Like, like I, I learned to floss. Do you want to see my floss? Do you want to see my floss? It's really bad. You don't. You want to see it. You want to? No, you do. 
You do. They do, Alex. They do. I, I can't. It's not my choice anymore. They want me to. All right, ready? This is, this is the, this, don't do it. It's terrible. That's terrible. It's the floss. It's so bad. I'm like a robot. I'm, I'm like, it's horrifying. So I, I'm not the one that needs to invent the quag swag, but somebody needs to come up with this dance. I'm telling you, internet, do what what you want. Uh, it's great. It's great. Another one I thought would be uh, really good, especially with this, this sermon, is actually brabble. It means to quarrel about trifles. Or, uh, so especially to quarrel. Noisily brawl, squabble. Brabble basically means to argue loudly about something that doesn't really matter. How many of that is a relevant word in 2022? There is a lot of brabbling going on right now. Y'all got to stop brabbling on the internet, all right? Like, you got to tame it down. Let's stop with the brabble. Oh, there's, there's tons of words. I mean, wh one that just sounds fun, yeemless. Yeemless uh, is an old English, Middle English word meaning careless, heedless, or negligent. Come on, we got, there's so many words. We should, could just invent words, come up with words, bring back old words. Words are awesome. Words are awesome. There's so much we can do with it. And I actually am somebody, when I hear a word that is like new to me or a new way to say something, you, you got to figure out how to use it in a sentence. How many of you know? You know, when you hear something, you're like, I'm going to work this into a conversation. Recently, I heard uh, someone reference, so this would be like later 30s, they called them elder millennials. And I was like, that is perfect. I'm going to find a way to say elder millennial in a sentence, and I did it. I accomplished it last week. I found a, w a relevant moment to use the term elder millennial. But you ever had a moment like that where you're like, I'm going to fit this in, this phrase I learned, or whatever. Words are something we're thinking about. We're constantly growing our vocabularies. We're, 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 we're trying to figure out new ways to speak, to share, to communicate with one another. We're trying to discover how to utilize them best. But the reality of the words that we say, I, I actually would argue uh, that words, once we speak out words, they're, they're really, they're, they're not neutral. They're not neutral. I think sometimes we want them to be or we wish they would be, but our words have so much power. They are affecting change around us as we speak that there's really no neutral words. There's something behind what you're saying. Now, you may have said it flippantly, but there's still something behind it. You may have said it casually or not thought hard about it, but why did you say those words really, really matters? Why did those come out? There's not really neutral words. And, and, and they're, they're, they're going to affect people, right? All of us could begin to talk about words that somebody spoke over us that we never forgot, both good and bad. How many of you remember the first time maybe a coach or a teacher or a parent or, or an uncle or an aunt, somebody told you that they believed in you? That you could accomplish something, right? You're like, oh, it just builds you up. The amount of times that in youth ministry I would say something to a young person, like, man, I believe in you. They'd be like, no one's ever told me that before. I'm like, seriously? You're 16 years old and no one's ever said that they believe. You remember the first time someone says they believe in you. But you also remember when people speak death over you, speak something negative over you. I still remember it so well. It was such a shaping moment for me in college and and I go to ask somebody to, to mentor me, and they say, oh, I'm not going to mentor you. You're a prince. I only mentor kings. And I was like, oh. like this professor at Bible college, you know, says this. And I'm like, what does that even mean? But that hurts. And like, but you hear that word, and it's still, 
right? I can still think about it. I still remember how that made me feel. It made me feel small. It made me feel like quitting. It made me feel like maybe I'm not called into, am I not called into, if I was called into ministry, wouldn't he want to mentor me? And, and why would he speak that over me, right? You, you remember those things. I remember when I moved down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I hadn't, I had been questioning my, my, my role as a communicator. Maybe I'm not called to preach. Maybe that's not a part of it. And I remember sharing something up on stage for the first time. And I get off, and the senior pastor, Paul, comes up to me and goes, I just need to tell you, you're a great communicator. And it was the first time that a pastor had told me that. And I remember when he said that, I just just like air came to my lungs. I'm like, seriously? He's like, you're surprised by that? I'm like, oh, don't tell me more. Tell me about how I'm a great communicator. Like, details. What did I do that you liked? I need more of that. And, and it's amazing how right that one thing actually stymied my growth in college. I stopped putting myself out there for a while. But then this other word, all of a sudden some confidence grows, and I start to believe in myself in that area. I start to put myself out there, and it actually leads to a national platform and opportunities, all these things, because words have so much power. They have so much power, and the Bible makes it so clear in Proverbs, so clear. It says this in Proverbs 18, 20 through 21, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I want to break this down for us. Proverbs 18, 20 through 21, and I actually, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase actually puts this in a way that's really helpful to understand. He says this, words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach, good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. Words kill, words give life. They're either, either poison or they're fruit you choose. So, so, so they're either poison or they're fruit. Words can satisfy you as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk can be as gratifying as a good harvest. Words can also kill. They can be poisonous. You get to choose. One of the interesting things when you start to study this idea and you look at the whole of Scripture, you start to realize that words don't just have life and death for the people you speak over them. It actually is speaking life and death over you. Your words, I would argue from a biblical standpoint, affect you even more than the hearer. It affects the speaker. Why? Because it's actually producing something in your life. And it's showing a state of your heart. It's showing where you're at. But it's life and death is at the power of the tongue. It's there. It has life or death. Which one are you going to speak? And I don't want to literally just talk about these two ways. That in relationships with other people... You can choose. Am I going to speak words of death? Oh, that's dramatic, Pastor Sam. No, it really does. Am I pushing them to a dark place? Am I pushing them away from God's calling? Am I pushing them away? Am I being a misrepresentation of Jesus to them? You know, what, 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 are, these, what are these words doing? Right? And again, it exposes the heart. Because right, the, this Bible college moment, where this person speaking this death over me, what actually I learned later is it actually exposed where he was at. What he was saying is he wanted people that would boost his ego. Because once I had a platform large enough and a ministry large enough to afford his honorarium, he tried to come and speak at my youth group. And you're going, oh, so, so once I, now I'm a king. 
because I can afford your honorarium. So now I'm a king, but I wasn't then, right? And you start to see, oh, actually, there was something going on with you. The bigger death was you were speaking over you because you didn't feel at the time that I could boost your ego, that I could amplify that. And you start to expose, oh, words don't just hurt the hearer. They're actually affecting the speaker, the person that's sharing them. And it's exposing what's really going on. There's a lot of truth that comes out in these moments that we need to understand. And words of death have a huge effect on both the speaker and the listener, both. It affects people on a great level. Matthew 12, 25, or 35 through 37 says this. It says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for e- every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Essentially, what you've stored up is going to be exposed by what you say. This is one of those things where it actually showcases the fruit. You know, the Bible talks about judge it by the, the tree by its fruit. Your words are a part of showing the fruit. It's a part of showcasing what's actually in you. And I'm not talking just about the moments when you know you got to put a face on. I'm not talking about the moments where you're like, I'm going to say the right thing because I'm in a job interview. I'm not talking about job interview version of you. I'm talking about you with your closest friends, in the most casual moments where you feel safe. What comes out of you when you feel safe? What comes out of you? Oh, well, I don't curse in this space. I only curse in this space. Well, I don't make those jokes with these friends. I only make those jokes with those friends. When I'm in this room, I speak this way. When I'm in this room, I speak that way. I'm talking about even in those moments, what is coming out? Because it actually showcases a bit of where you're really at on the inside. Words expose you. And so if, if, if we're speaking death in situations and we have these negative words and, and, and we're doing this, it actually is showcasing, hey, there's something. I've stored some stuff up that I need to deal with. It's not this cause to condemn yourself. It's a reality. It's, it's a marker of, man, there's something. I can't believe that came out. And, and that, that, that happens, right? When we get pushed in situations, the fruit of what we've built into our life comes out. And sometimes we have moments where we're like, where did that come from? Why did I say that? Why would I say that? It's actually a good question to ask. Why did I say that? It's probably some things I did prior, some things I did before, some things I stored up that I never dealt with. And so that, when I was pushed, that came out. And for many, that, this sounds a little scary. Wait, I'm going to be judged on my words. No, the reality is the words are just the expression of where your heart's actually at. The judgment comes from what we've stored up in ourselves. Your words have a way of showing who you really are. Out of the heart, the mouth will, out of the heart, the mouth will speak. It will. Eventually, it's going to come forward. Eventually, it's going to come out. Your heart is shown by what we say. And so it's one of those things in a relationship. How many of you know there's just so many, like, 
unspoken. There's body language. There's just all of these phrases. There's the way you say it. Sometimes somebody can say the right thing, but they say it in the wrong way, and you're like, no, no, there's something going on there. there that was dripping with animosity. Or, come on, in Minnesota, we love passive-aggressive, right? Like, ooh, I've got this cool tool. I can sound really nice, but I'm actually really aggressive. Just so you guys know, passive-aggressive is aggressive, okay? <laughs> passive-aggressive is also toxic. Say what you mean. Say what you mean. Man, if Christians could be people that would just say what they mean, the way they're going to say it, I would rather you just slap me in the face than have a passive-aggressive comment. I just, there's some, it, just, it just makes my, my blood boil. I, when I know you're beating around the bush, it's like, just say it. Just say it. Don't say it. Just let's have a conversation. Passive-aggressive is very aggressive in my mind. But it's showing some places where we're at. Words out us emotionally. They out us spiritually. They out us developmentally. They out us relationally. Words are a view into our heart for others in the world. You know, but maybe some of the really good Christians in the room, you know, were thinking, well, I would never speak death over somebody. I would never say some hurtful thing right to someone's face. Yeah, but would you, would you type it? <laughs> would you post about it? Would you talk to someone else? Would you speak those words of death, not over them, but to somebody else about them? And I think one of the greatest ways that we destroy peace with all people is gossip. I have seen gossip wreck relationships in both in my life and in people that I pastor and in friendships than anything else. There is nothing worse than finding out that everybody's talking bad about you. Not, but not to your face, but to everyone else. I don't know of anything I've experienced as more hurtful relationally than realizing that I've been gossiped about. And I've actually, there was a time in my life where this was a real issue for me. I'm going to be honest. Like gossip was a real issue. I had some friends that we just, we just kept falling into it over and over and just bashing and trashing. And, and I actually lost a friend that was very, very close to me because we did. We gossiped about his girlfriend. And, but we gossiped with a gossip. So what did that gossip do? Went and told the girlfriend. <laughs> And that relationship has been restored and there's peace in it, but it never, how many of you guys know, sometimes it never goes back though. Like there's peace and we're good and we talk, but it's not, it's never been the same. Why? Because I said something hurtful about somebody that they cared about. And that was hor horrible. I was, I was so disappointed in myself, right? But gossip has a way of just growing issues and creating division, and gossip is easy to justify, but it's really hard to defend. It's funny how when we're with the right people, it just feels like, no, this is fine. Like, we just need to, we just, we just got to air this out. You know, it's just on my heart. Like, I don't know, I just feel burdened by it. I'm just a verbal processor, so, like, I need to share this. I just, this is how I figure stuff out. So I just need to verbally process with you, and I'm just going to, right, we can justify gossip. We can find a way to, like, make it sound like it's okay. No, we're really, we're trying to figure out how to help them. I'm trying to figure out how to help them. And if we don't talk, we're not going to figure out how to help them. So we got to talk about everything that's wrong with them so that we know how to better help them right and we can find this way to justify but then how many know when you get found out it's really hard to defend it's really hard to defend wait you said what about me to who I thought you had my back I thought we were friends honestly I thought I thought you loved me but now that this gets exposed when you were comfortable in the right setting you said that now you can't take that back you can't just say, well, I didn't mean it. 
Why did it come out? It was in you. You thought it, you felt it, you spoke it. What do you mean you didn't mean it? It's actually a hard, have you ever had that? How hard it is to defend the, well, I didn't actually mean it. When you say something flippant, when you say something hurtful, when you speak death, it, it, it just, it's really hard to take it back. Because it, why? Because people know. No, like, there was something behind that. There was, or it wouldn't have come out. It wouldn't have come out. There's something there. We have to deal with stuff when, when it comes to people. We have to watch what we're even allowing ourselves to think about other people. You know, this is a part of taking thoughts captive and submitting them to the Lord. It's actually like, man, I just had this negative thought about this person. God, take that captive and get it away from me. Remind me how much you love them. Remind me how much you've called them. Remind me how you handcrafted them for a special purpose. Remind me of the good in them. Remind me of, of their future. Give me a glimpse into what you've called them to do so that I can get more on board with their future than gossiping about their past. God, help me to see them the way that you see them. God, help me to speak life over this person. I'm going to take those negative thoughts captive rather than airing them out with friends or airing them out with family. I'm going to actually process them. For me, an easy filter to know if I am gossiping is by asking myself a question. As I'm speaking to this person about somebody else, am I attempting to negatively impact a person's view of somebody else? So if what I'm going to say, so if I'm, right, Eric, come on up here. And Alex, come on up here. Okay, so, so, so if, if I'm talking with Eric, I'm going to help this make sense. No, stand over there. We're going to gossip about you. <laughs> so, so if I'm talking about who, who has the better red hair, right? So we're going to talk about who's the better, the better ginger. Um, but I'm talking with Eric about Alex. And this conversation is going to make Eric think less of Alex. I promise you it's gossip. And it's not uplifting. And it's not justifiable. Now, we, we could talk about Alex and how he's going to have a baby girl. Come on, you posted about it yesterday, have a baby girl. We can talk about the amazing things we're going to do. We could even talk about how to be better friends. We could talk about Alex. Alex could be a big part of our conversation. But, but if I am sitting here going, man, I want Eric to be as frustrated with Alex as I am. Eric's sitting over here at peace with Alex, but I'm not. Because Alex, he cut me off in the parking lot and took my spot. And I'm upset about it. So I need Eric to be as annoyed at Alex as I am. So I'm going to vent some of this or find ways to add this in or sort of seed it. And, and I'm going to find a way. Right, if I am affecting Eric's view of him negatively, it's gossip, and it has no place in the body of Christ. Because then at that point, how many of you know, who should I be talking to about it? Hey, Alex, you cut me off in the parking lot. That's my spot. That really made me mad at you. <laughs> right? Bring it to them. And then sometimes if you're like, well, I wouldn't actually say that to them, then maybe you should just get over it because it's not that important. If it's not worth, right? Um, and this is, this is what's hard, right? We go... We're way more comfortable with this, and we call this a confrontation. How about it's just a conversation because it's what humans do? Hey, I didn't like when you said that. Can you explain what you meant by it? Hey, you hurt my feelings when you did this. Hey, I'm having a conversation because it, if it's at all negative, we call it a confrontation. we got to change that. 
You're going to have negative emotions towards humans. Like, it's going to keep happening. I'm gonna, Alex is going to do things that drive me nuts sometimes, but the best person to talk about that with is Alex. And it's a conversation. And then you know, I know what, what you grow in is, hey, uh, you know, you upset me this way. Now I have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to make adjustments. It's also, sometimes you want know, a really good thing, too. You can even give the feedback. Like, I think about it in a workplace environment. Right, you give feedback of, hey, when you said that, I, I took it this way. But also, give encouragement. Like, when you said that, that made me want to go, like, knock a building over. Like, when you said that, that got me so excited. Literally, did you know it's actually healthy to give feedback on what people are saying, how it affects you, and how you're hearing it. And saying, hey, I just want to have a conversation about it. But we talk to the person, not to their friend. Give it up for Alex and Eric. Don't speak death. Don't speak words of death. We have to speak words of life. And Ephesians 4.29 says, do not, lay, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. It doesn't say any negative or hard conversations. It just says unwholesome, a.k.a. it's not edifying and building people up. Don't let it come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. I would argue when I say words aren't neutral, I would argue they go into two categories. You're either building people up or you're breaking people down. Words of life can be constructive, can be challenging, can be coaching, can be even sometimes going, hey, i got to work through some challenges, right? It can be all of that because it can build up the relationship and it can build up the people. Hard conversations are a part of discipleship. Jesus modeled this with his disciples. He continually had hard conversations with them. But at the end of the day, words of life have to be the, the desire and the motivation and the emphasis needs to be building up, not breaking down. So if my words are just for the sake of breaking things and people down, I need to keep them to myself. They are not helping. They are not helping. I'm going to be really honest. I think a challenge that we face in America is our view of even leaders that gets modeled in our nation. How many of you know during an election cycle, all you see is breaking down? All you see. Got to the point at this last presidential election, I'm like, I have no clue what they're running on. <laughs> I know who they're running against. That's it. I'm only hearing everything that's wrong with other people. It's just a breaking down. So we're literally, leadership is being modeled as the person who can break everyone down the most. Like, that's, like our highest levels of leaders got there by bashing and trashing everybody. Like, think about that for a second. On whatever side. Like, the, that's our example of leadership. That's horrible. That's horrible. Well, yeah, but you build people up. You're not going to get anywhere. Try it. Try it. Try it. I love the people in my life that build me up. Oh, I love them so much. I call them the most. I do. I do. Right? There was, I, I had a week, a couple weeks ago where it was just, it was a hard week, and I just had a lot of, Honestly, I just had a lot of death spoken around me and to me. And it was just one of those weeks where you're like, ah. So I had my list. I called three people in two days that were my build me up people. And I'm like, build me up. Remind me who I am. Encourage me about God's calling on my life. Encourage me about what, what he's put in me. Remind me of the good in me. Come on, call me. And, and I'm calling those people going, hey, I need you to encourage me. I need you. Everybody needs people in their life that are going to build them up. They're going to encourage them. And every, you want to know something, too? 
those people do. They have the most friends. <laughs> they, they, they really are. They, they, they're happier. They're happier humans because when, when you're speaking death about other people, remember you're actually speaking it over yourself. And so they're, they're, when they're encouraging others, they're actually building themselves up as well. They do it. It's the thing where humans were created to serve. And so when we serve, we get served by God. And it's this beautiful, as we give out, he gives back. And words of life, as we speak it out, it does our soul good as much as the person who's hearing it. And I love that it says according to their needs. I think this is beautiful. If you want to be somebody who builds people up, don't. Don't do it through your filter of what you need. Do it through the filter of what they need. So really taking time, man, what does it look like to build them up right now? What are their needs? And if you don't know their needs, maybe you need to get in closer relationship with them. Like if you don't know how to properly build somebody up, you might be like, well, I'm going to compliment, you know, their clothes. But maybe there's somebody who doesn't care about clothes at all. And that's going to fly over. But they but they're actually care a lot more about this project they just finished. And if you would encourage them about that project and say they did a good job, it would mean the world to them. It's amazing how far words of life can go. It's amazing how contagious it is. How many of you know it can change a whole day? A quick compliment. And as soon as it is, this casual is like, yo, you look good today. And I'm like, sweet, <laughs> I'll take it. Right? Like it can be quick. It doesn't even have to be all the time complicated, but it's like, man, that feels good, and I needed that. I needed that. I needed to hear that today. I need to be reminded of that today. No matter how strong I get, no matter how confident I am, I still need people to build me up. I've never gotten to a point where that's not appreciated and loved and, and, and amazing. And I've found that the people, again, who speak life continually, man, they just are. They are at peace with people. They are at peace with people. There's not all this animosity and enemies and drama and problems. So one of the ways that we can filter, hey, is this going to be a word of life or a word of death? Because I will say, there is that tension of, man, should I bring this up with them or not? Right? Have you ever had this moment where you're like, I, I know this is something they need to hear. I needed to hear it maybe at one point, and I'm trying to figure out how to say it in love. And, but it, I remember we talked about last week, truth in love. So I, I have some truth that they need. It's going to be wrapped in love, but, hey, man, should I say this or not? Really, what you need to do is go, man, oh, what, what's stored up in me? Because out of what's the good stored up in me, I'm going to produce good. So is my motivation and is my emotion and is my goal positive? And encouraging, then I'm going to enter into it. But if I'm trying to give them this feedback because I want power over them, that's, that's a word of death. If I'm trying to give them this feedback because I want to feel better than them, that's a word of death. If I want to give them this feedback because I want them to feel less than, it's a word of death. But if I'm trying to build them up, and I'm trying to help, and I'm trying to encourage, I'm trying to do that, and my motivation is that they're healthier and better, amazing then I can speak it. Because words of life can't just always be about positive things. How I many of you know, if you want to stay at peace with people, you can't just pretend everything's sunshine and roses all the time. If you actually want to be at peace with people, if you want to take this seriously, you're going to have to deal with conflict well. We're going to be so good at dealing with conflict and finding a way to bathe it in, hey, I'm going to build up this other person according to their needs. So what is the emotion pushing the words out? Is it positive? And peaceful, or is it critical and, and breaking them down? 
Or as the, the wise theologian Thumper once said, if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Sometimes you just need to, <laughs> you can't say nothing nice, just don't say anything at all. Because it's so easy, right, if we have this negative emotion that's pushing the words out, let's just take that negative emotion, don't go process it with your friends, take it captive, give it to God, and wait until you're ready to build them back up again, until you're ready to deal with it. And uh, it's so important. I said that little clue even to the way Renee and I fight last week where the, the rule in our fight is once you're trying to break the person down and make them feel small or beneath you, that's a line you don't do. You don't, when you're trying to break them down, because you can even have an argument and build each other up in the discussion, believe it or not. You can have a disagreement and, and end being built up. It's possible, but not if you're trying to be better than or bigger than or make them feel small. You have to say, you know what, I'm going to work towards this. The band can come on up. Here's the reality of words of life. You know, really, the easiest way to know that you're somebody who speaks words of life is just to be an encourager. And here's the reality of encouragement. Encouragement costs you nothing but can change everything for someone else. It costs you nothing. And man, if it's painful for you to encourage people, that's a good sign that you got some hard work to do. Like, oh, it's just hard to compliment them. Oh, it's just hard to encourage them. Man, you got to work on what's going on in you. Because at the end of the day, if, if we really are, if we're practicing the way of Jesus, we need to be people who are encouraging, who are going to speak life. We're going to have hard conversations. We're going to have good conversations. But we're going to do all of our communication with humans, with other people, with the goal of building them up, building you up, and building up the body of Christ. Our, our desire has to be build up the body. Building them up according to their needs so that there's a benefit to the whole. And I'm serious. I really, I think that there is a, an amazing opportunity for the church, the collective church to just shine right now. Because there's just such a shortage on words of life. There's such a shortage on encouraging thoughts and ideas and concepts. There is a shortage on this. Let's be positive. Let's bring life into rooms. Let's do that. And let's allow our words to help us work to be at peace.